Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. Just a sports report. Now, today we are going to be launching right into round one of the NRL. Uh, going to be going through a weekend wrap. Uh, and as for the preview for round two, that will be out tomorrow. So I'm going to do the preview separately to today's podcast. Uh, but basically, the weekend wrap is all about looking at the eight games from round one in the NRL. We had some shock upsets, some huge moments. A lot of new look teams, some new coaches, a lot of fresh faces, uh, and some really quality young players as well. Uh, So interesting across the board as to how everything went in round one. And basically, I'm going to try and keep this podcast relatively quick. I'll see uh, if I can give my thoughts on all the games fairly quickly, but I won't gloss over things. So yeah, I'll take the appropriate amount of time, but... In tr- staying true, I can't even speak fucking English. Here we go. Uh, staying true to kind of the theme of keeping things short. Let's wrap this intro up and get right amongst the action. This is not just a sports report, the NRL weekend wrap for round one. Alright, let's get stuck into all eight games from this past weekend. And what better place to start? Then the season opener from Combank Stadium. Ugh, that's a crap stadium name. That's still on the cards as well at some point. Uh, I would love to do podcast or some Instagram content around the worst stadium names. Combank's up there. Combank's like, eh, I don't know. From Bank West as well. What What's the fascination with banks? But anyway, I digress. 16-12 to the Melbourne Storm. First game of the season, extending to Golden Point. So an absolute nail-biting contest. Interesting uh, to watch the game as well, given that both these sides, a very different look from what we've come to expect from both of them. For the Eels, missing tons of talent from the grand final last year. Obviously no Isaiah Papali'i, no Reid Marnie, uh, no Sean Lane in the contest as well. Uh, Ryan Matteson, jeez. Fucking couldn't Parramatta have done with him in that game. We'll have to see whether that comes back to bite them in the ass at the end of the season. Uh, But this one, going to Golden Point. Storm getting the win. Uh, I tipped the Storm, but Eels have been a massive danger side for them as of late. Really close contest. A few of the noteworthy things we saw. uh, Obviously, Harry Grant scoring the match-winning try. So he looks like he's going to be in just as good as form were just as good form as we've seen him over the last couple of years. And another note, of course, the Melbourne Storm keeping this remarkable streak going. I believe it's 22 years straight that they've won in their round one matchup. Uh, They were able to keep that going here. Really good effort for the Storm. uh, But for them, one thing that is going to be a a bit of a concern, no Cameron Munster for the next couple of weeks, suffered an injury. Uh, during this game, as has Xavier Coates. Uh, So they're both going to be out. Interesting, given that the Storm already kind of scrambling to fill positions. Now we've seen the Bromwich brothers leave, Felice Kafusi, no Brandon Smith. Although, another note from this game, looks like Bronson Garlic could be a fantastic like-for-like replacement for Smith. Can play in the back row, can play dummy half, and will cost significantly less. I'd say he'd be on minimum wage. So I expect to see a lot more of Bronson Garlic this year. Uh, But with those injuries, it is going to be interesting to see what moves the Storm decide to make. Are we going to see young Jonah Pezette make his debut in the 5'8 position in this coming round? We'll have to wait and see. Only a couple of hours away from team lists, so we should know shortly. Uh, But Melbourne, they are going to be tested, definitely. Uh, no Tarek Sims as well. We saw Trent Loyero and Eli Katoa uh, both start in the back row. So it is a new look Melbourne Storm side, 
but I was impressed and I'll be even more so impressed if they can continue this winning form without Munster and Xavier Coates over the next couple of weeks. But great win for the Storm to start their season. Harry Grant was outstanding. Uh, and on the Eels side, I thought Josh Hodgson, uh, Hodgson had a remarkable game. Now, one of my biggest questions surrounding Parramatta was, are they going to be left with egg on their face, deciding to let go of Reid Marnie, who is probably entering his prime right now, for Josh Hodgson, who has suffered injuries over the last couple of years and looks or looked to be removed from his prime. Uh, but I thought Josh Hodgson was outstanding. And as the combinations continue to grow, this could end up being a masterstroke signing. Speaking of masterstroke signings as well, how good was Jermaine Hopgood on the weekend? We all expected it. We all knew this kid was a talent. And the Caloundra product heading over from the Panthers made his mark in this game. Excellent defense, great running game as well. And Jermaine Hopgood early on could be one of the buys of the season. So there are definitely good signs for the Eels, uh, but the season opener belonged to the Melbourne Storm. And now we sit back and we're going to watch and we're going to wait. And we're going to see how they go for the rest of the season. Because Melbourne Storm, it's definitely an interesting narrative this year. Of course, it could be Craig Bellamy's final season as coach, which definitely adds to the motivation. Uh, but overall, Storm have lost a large chunk. There is a big void of experienced forwards that have departed the club, three of them over to the Dolphins. So it's going to take some time for Melbourne uh, to kind of get some of the younger guys up to speed as far as being leaders at the club. Uh, but of course, they have got Joel Selwood there. They've got guys like Christian Welch, Cameron Munster. And I think overall, Storm still definitely premiership contenders, although I would say there are definitely a few teams in front of them. Storm 16-12 on the Thursday night. And that led us in to the early Friday game. Chahu, Chahu. I don't want to do one too loud in case you got headphones on. Uh, but up the fucking was. 20 to 12. We managed to stop the powerhouse Newcastle Knights outfit with a coach who has more premiership rings than the Warriors have had in their existence. Of course, we have zero. Adam O'Brien, though, this is a guy who knows grand finals. He's been to them, and yeah, he's coached the Knights, uh, but they didn't get the win here. In all reality as well, Newcastle actually one of my picks for the spoon, although I was impressed with Kellen Ponga at 5'8". I like the idea of him getting his hands on the ball a lot more, and I like Lockie Miller at the back as well. So hopefully for Newcastle, they can surprise a few people this season, uh, but as a Warriors fan, I like I expected us to win this game and I wouldn't have been surprised at all if we lost but it just felt like a new season some really quality fresh faces a new coach some optimism and a return to New Zealand it just felt like if we can't beat the Newcastle Knights who are we going to beat because as I said in my opinion uh, they're one of the bottom sides this year but what a delightful game it was as a Warriors fan I was on the edge of my seat I tell you what for a game that, quite frankly, a bit of a poo-slinger in terms of the side's success over the last decade or so, uh, I was far too nervous for a game with such low stakes. But Warriors, they got it done. Wade Egan was enormous. So good to see him in form. And it shows you what Wade can do when he's got a quality forward pack laying the foundation for him. Chance Nicole Clockstart as well. What a return to the club. Two try-saving tackles. Like, this guy is clutch. It's his defense at the back that I actually think is the best aspect of his game. No slouch in attack either, uh, crossing for a try. Now, all the guys who were previously at the Warriors heading into this season, I thought they really stood up here. Uh, but my main note from this Warriors-Knights game uh, was just what an enormous impact our new signings made. Now, we saw CNK. He had a remarkable game. He was probably my man of the match. Uh, we saw Braden Williami, who I think is a very underrated signing. Definitely not a household name, uh, but centers was definitely a position that we needed more depth. Uh, I thought Braden Williami was awesome, not just in this game, uh, but also over the trials. Uh, Tamari Martin, 
a solid first outing in the halves for the Warriors. Um, he wasn't one that had like a monumental game, but he played his role and we got the win. Very happy to have Tamare on board. Mitchell Barnett in the middle. Man, he really impressed me. Uh, I watch very closely when the Warriors are defending. I like to know like who are the guys that are busting their ass and actually just making tackles. Because as a Warriors fan, I tell you what, over the last decade, I've seen plenty of tackles missed, plenty of piss-poor defensive efforts. Uh, but Mitchell Barnett, that, that was my biggest takeaway from his performance, just outstanding defensively in the middle. I've got the stats in front of me. I haven't actually read the stats uh, or anything like that. As far as the most tackles, Torhu Harris, 51 tackles from our captain. Uh, he was just sensational. Really good to see Torhu back uh, in full fitness. Now, I'm just pulling up Mitchell Barnett's stats, because uh, that was my takeaway. I was watching, so he actually only had 87% tackle efficiency, uh, but he made 36 tackles. So yeah, Barnett, it just felt like he was involved in everything uh, defensively, and I'm really happy with that signing. Jackson Ford, gee whiz, there's a crafty signing right there, unwanted by the Dragons, and barely a first grader. Now he looks every bit an NRL player starting in the back row for the Warriors. Really like that signing. Jackson Ford, uh, he's impressed me a lot over the last couple of weeks. Murata Niukore, I thought he had a standout game as well. Good to see him return to his junior club. And Dylan Walker, this could be the best signing of the lot. What a difference he makes coming off the bench in that number 14 jersey. A uh, middle forward with great ball playing, can fill in in the halves. We saw him fill in at dummy half uh, last weekend, can play in the centres. In fact, he's a premiership winning centre. So that versatility is massive. To have that on the bench, and if everyone's fit, then Dylan Walker playing in the middle, his usual role, like that is very dangerous. So Dylan Walker, I am stoked with that signing, and thank you to all 17 Warriors players that took the field, you made me smile. You made me very, very happy. Now, I'm going into the season with low expectations. I'm not expecting to make the top eight, uh, but I am feeling good. I like the signings. I like the guys that were already there. Andrew Webster and his appointment at coach, I have loved it. The more I see of Andrew Webster, the more confident I feel that this should be the guy to take the Warriors forward in the long term and that we should give him enough time to build this squad into a premiership force. So very, very happy with what I saw. Yes, I have low expectations for the season, uh, but we started off with a win. And Warriors fans will know, even just to win in round one is a bit of a rarity. The amount of times you know you get hyped for preseason, it's our year, there's a lot to like about the Warriors. You come out, they lose in round one, they go through the motions of, winning a few games early in the year. Origin comes around, we go all right. Back into the year, we totally shit the bed. That has been the theme for quite some time now. So just to win in round one meant the world to me. And there was a comment from Andrew Webster, which really stood out to me, uh, that this is a team. Yes, this is a team that has been unsuccessful and a bit of a laughing stock, especially in New Zealand. Uh, people, Kiwis, literally are supporting other teams. Like they're supporting Australian teams because it's just not a cool thing to go for the Warriors. Um, but Andrew Webster made a comment where he said, this is a side full of winners. These are competitive blokes who want to win. Uh, and he made that comparison in regards to when Andrew Webster was last here as an assistant coach. Uh, now he wasn't calling the players that he coached last time losers. Uh, but that's what we were doing. We were losing a fuck ton. And the comment of this is a team of winners was something I was thinking about when this game was right in the balance. I was thinking, all right, if you guys are a team of winners, fucking win then. And they did. So I do feel good overall. I'm really happy as a Warriors fan. Am I buying grand final tickets? Not quite yet, but I'm stoked and excited to see how we go against a Roosters side. Uh, not the best timing, though, to come up against the Roosters. But up the fucking wires. And for Knights fans, hopefully your boys can lift over the next couple of weeks. We are still early in the season and anything can happen. Then Friday night, gee whiz, this, 
This was huge. Up until the Sunday, this was the upset of the round. The Brisbane Broncos, 13-12 over the Panthers. Now, Penrith, back-to-back losses, if you include the World Club Challenge. Uh, a lot of the talk about the losses of Arpi Korosau and Viliami Kikau. Uh, I thought both were pretty apparent during this game. More so Kikau at that left edge of the Panthers looked significantly weaker. Luai couldn't quite get his combinations going, couldn't get into the flow of the game. Luke Garner didn't do anything of note. Jamin Salmon came on, uh, didn't do anything of note other than fucking arguing with Luai after the game. I see like Paul Kent and Buzz Rothfield arguing about that. Like, come on, seriously. Like now we're fucking picking apart two blokes after a game, like kind of getting stuck into each other. No punches thrown, no pushes, barely even aggressive, just competitive nature uh, coming out to the four, four? I can't speak English, fucking hell. Uh, but yeah, I thought that left edge, the Panthers, some new faces, Sania Taruva on the wing as well. Uh, so that left edge needs some work. Is it panic stations for the Panthers? Absolutely not, but there is a bit of a cause for concern there. And I thought my biggest note from the Panthers uh, was Sonny Luke. What a huge difference he made. I think he needs to be playing more minutes. Came on pretty much at the back end of the game. Uh, like, I think Mitch Kenny should be starting. I'm a huge fan of Mitch Kenny as well. But I'd like to see them do a bit closer to what they were doing with Arby and Kenny last year, where Kenny just takes that half first half an hour of the game and really takes the brunt uh, out of the physicality. And then we see Sonny Luke come on. Because when Luke came on, his creativity was so evident. And that was what got the Panthers back into the game. Not just in this one, but also in the World Club Challenge up against St. Helens. So Sonny Luke, I would love to see him play uh, a few more minutes, given that their attacking flair goes up so many levels. It's similar to Arpi Corosau. It's got a bit more of that X factor to it. And that is when the Panthers were scoring points. In fact, it was Sonny Luke who actually crossed for the try in the 76th minute to get them back in the game. Uh, so that's my biggest note for the Panthers. Will be very interesting seeing how they go this weekend against the Rabbitohs and back-to-back -back losses. Especially after the last couple of years where Panthers have started the last two seasons 8-0. and Now all of a sudden, people are starting to realise this team is human. And without Kickout and Arpi Corosau, I tell you what, some of these clubs are starting to grow in confidence. But let's talk about the Brisbane Broncos. A coach who'd been criticised by his own players. A club that is constantly in the media and any sign of failure, and they're going to be feeling it. That's going to be all through the papers. The Broncos, one of the biggest clubs in the NRL. And what a way to start the season. My God. Herbie Farnworth scores a double. He was sensational. Obviously, he's announced he's off to the Dolphins next year. Ezra Mam. I want to give a shout out to Ezra Mam as well. Had some amazing moments in attack, but it was his defense that was the massive standout for me. Because going into this season and remembering how they fell apart at the back end of last year, my biggest concern around the Broncos was Ezra Mann. So good in attack, but his defense, quite frankly, and this is coming from a bloke who's not a great defender himself, uh, but his defense wasn't up to scratch. So that was definitely something I was keeping an eye on going into this season and very positive signs, because Ezra Mam was terrific defensively. He held his own against the back-to-back -back premiers. It's not like he did this against the Knights or the Tigers, respectfully, uh, but he did this up against the best team in the competition. So Ezra Mam, massive shout out for him, uh, and he did speak about how he's been working on his defense, and that caught my attention, because I'm like, all right, well, that was probably my biggest concern about the Broncos, um, being able to get into the eight this year. And he's clearly fixing that up. So Ezra Mam, really happy with what I saw there. Adam Reynolds as well. What a terrific performance uh, as the captain and of course the halfback leading the team around. Payne Haas, he was incredible. Just the motor on the bloke to play in the middle for as long as he does. It's just something else. So Payne Haas, I thought he was one of the biggest contributors. And Patrick Carrigan. I'll talk a bit about Patrick Carrigan a bit later once I get to the performance highlights of the weekend. Uh, but Patrick Carrigan, just outstanding. 
defensively just uncompromising. In attack, not only does he just run the ball so fucking hard, but he's also the voice. He's the communicator that's linking the boys on the field. He's like a halfback in a Ford's body. The amount of chat we saw it last year when Fox Sports mic'd him up, like Patrick Carrigan's chat is huge. He is a major leader in the Broncos system, and I, I think they missed him a lot last year. I don't believe it's a coincidence that they completely fell apart at the end of last year when Patrick Carrigan wasn't on the field. So to see them all stand up like this, to be galvanized and come out and beat Penrith in Penrith, Huge statement from the Broncos to start the season. We still have 26 rounds to go, but I tell you what, Kevin Walters might not be such a bad coach at all. Tell you now. And that is a huge confidence builder for the Broncos as well. Now they know they can beat the Panthers. I mean, that's the top of the crop. If you know that you can beat the Panthers, what's stopping you from beating every other team in the competition? So if you're a Brisbane Broncos fan, gee whiz, it's an exciting time. I'd be pumped about that. And now they look forward to the 4X Queensland Derby up against the Cowboys this weekend. That should be another phenomenal game. And I'll tell you what, if Broncos start their season with wins over the Panthers and then the Cowboys, another competition heavyweight and one of the favourites this year, then I'll tell you what, we're all going to start to talk about the Brisbane Broncos and their prospects this season. And I'll tell you what, former player Denon Kemp Shoveling down some liver, that's another thing that just seems too good to be a coincidence. I think the Kemp curse has officially been lifted, and the Broncos, sky's the limit. Very, very exciting times for Brisbane. Then on the Saturday, I'll be real, I was at work for this one, uh, so I missed the Seagulls beating the Bulldogs 31-6. I knew a couple of people that watched the game, so I reached out to them. They said it was comprehensive, like at no point. Did it really seem like the Bulldogs were a chance outside of the first 20 minutes? Uh, Daily Cherry Evans crossing for a hat-trick. Tell you why that made me smile. Because this year, once again, not just a sports report running the 500 Cup NRL Supercoach Draft Competition. So last year, we ran it for the first time. Uh, Of course, the winner earns $500. So a bit of fun. This year, we're running it again, $500 on the line. And Daily Cherry Evans, he's my captain. So on the Supercoach draft front, fucking stoked to see him cross for three tries. And Anthony Seabold and the Manly Seagulls, I tell you what, they're making some noise. They're making some waves. And if they can keep Tom Trebojevic on the park, they're looking pretty bloody good. Are they premiership contenders? It's too early to tell. But the fact that we're even thinking that they could be in that conversation is a really positive sign for the Seagulls who had an awful back end of last year and even more positive for Anthony Seabold who I can't recall in my time watching rugby league a coach who just had like so much chaos it was fucked up like when he came out of that Broncos job I was like how the fuck is this guy ever going to get another head coaching opportunity like It just seemed like his career was literally dead in the water. Here he is now, leading the Manly Seagulls, and a phenomenal way to start the season, they finish round one on top of the ladder. So Anthony Seabold and the Seagulls, I tell you what, I wouldn't want to be coming up against them. They're definitely not the strongest team in the competition, uh, but right now I think a lot of teams looking over their shoulders for the surging Manly Seagulls. Ruben Garrick, wasn't he tremendous as well? He looks in for another massive season. And yeah, a lot to like for Sea Eagles fans. As I said, I didn't watch this game, uh, so I don't have too many comments as far as how the Bulldogs went and things like that. Um, But I'm excited to tune in to both sides' games this weekend. Uh, I've got the weekend off work, so I'll be watching all the games. This was the only one I missed. Um, But yeah, Sea Eagles, 31-6 over the Dogs. Then, Cowboys Raiders. Anyone who's listened to the podcast before, you know that Raiders are my second team. You'd also know why. I can't explain it every fucking podcast. So, Townsville. Cowboys 19, Raiders 18. Cowboys leading 18-0. And then Raiders working their way back into the game. And it was just too little too late. 
right before the end of the game, Chad Townsend named uh, names nails a field goal. Cowboys win. I think everyone expected them to. I bet on the Cowboys, even though I go for the Raiders. So it was weird towards the end of the game because you know I'm like, come on Cowboys, come on Cowboys. But then I'm also like, come on Raiders, come on. Like you're so close to getting the win. So that one, that was a very interesting game. Uh, Reuben Cotter, he was a standout for me. So quality in the middle. The amount of work he gets through, it's just unbelievable. So Reuben Cotter, he was my standout in that game. And for Canberra, this is what happens when you give up an 18-0 lead. Yes, you got back into the game. You lost by one point. What's the lesson there? Don't fucking give up an 18-point lead. As far as how Canberra are going to go this year, I'm still quietly confident that they are in for a big season, uh, but they will want to get their season going next weekend, or this weekend now, uh, up against the Dolphins. And I tell you what, after the weekend, now all of a sudden, Dolphins considered much more of a chance than the Raiders. So Cowboys getting it done, Scott Drinkwater scoring a double in that game as well. It's probably going to get some Deli M points for that. Uh, a lot of people talking about how Drinkwater could be a smoky for this year's Deli M. I ended up picking Nico Hines to go back to back. Uh, obviously he hasn't taken the field yet, but I still just quietly, I like Nico Hines. And yeah, as far as like speculation on who's going to win the Deli M, I'm not a very speculative person. I'm like, you know what? I'll, I'll fucking think about it when it's Deli M's time. It's round one. So uh, yeah, not too much thought being paid. Uh, to who he's going to actually go on and win the Delium, but Scott Drinkwater definitely would have earned some points for his double in that game. Then, Saturday night, a marquee clash. Sharks missing their main man and Nico Hines going down against one of the main competition favourites, the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Is 2023 the year that they finally get back in the grand final and get the job done? Well, if you believe in omens, or if you're a fan of Chinese culture, let's not forget 2023 is Year of the Rabbit. So a few things falling into place that would suggest this could very well be the year. And their performance, I mean, it was very impressive. Campbell Graham scoring a double. But I tell you what, there was only one man of the match here for me. And that was Lachlan Ilias. This time last year, uh, he was just getting ready to get a... First taste, first or second taste, he played one game. So it was essentially his first taste of NRL football. And around these early stages last year, all the talk, ooh, South Sydney, shouldn't have let Adam Reynolds go. Like, that was the main narrative. Now, coming into this year, Lachlan Ilias, who is definitely a star of the future, he had a career-best game. Now, not just in attack, but I thought it was actually his defence that helped South Sydney go on to win this game. And if Lachlan Ilias continues to perform that way, there is no reason why South Sydney can't win the Premiership this year. They got the job done, even with Tevita Tartola and Jai Arrow having to leave the field. And yeah, South Sydney, especially given the way that Penrith and the Roosters started their season, South Sydney's stocks continue to rise. Year of the Rabbit could be a very, very real thing. Huge win over the Sharks. Sharks, though, they are another team that I have right up there as premiership contenders this year. And I think they'll be a lot better once Nico Hines returns to the side. 27-18 to 18 in the Rabbitohs' favour. And then we hit up the final two games of the round, starting the Dolphins. 28-18 over the Roosters. Now, we've seen the Roosters lose in round one before. Didn't shock me a great deal. Last year, they looked fucking lost to the Knights in round one. I remember because this has been the first year in a while where I've actually been present for round one. There's usually a festival that kind of happens at the same time, which is really fucking annoying because then I'll be at the festival and I'm like, oh, have the Warriors, are the Warriors winning? And last year, they didn't. But yeah, usually round one, I'll come out from the four-day festival. Dusty is all fucking hell. Uh, I'll watch the Warriors game, but catch up on results. And I remember the first thing coming out of the festival last year, just a complete shell of myself. Shouldn't have even been allowed out in public. 
Uh, turn the phone on. I see Newcastle have beaten the Roosters. I'm like, holy shit. A couple of years before that, Tigers beat the Roosters in round one. 2020, Panthers beat the Roosters in round one. So am I reading into this loss too much? No, definitely not. I still think Roosters are premiership contenders for this year. But what about the Dolphins? They have captured the attention and the hearts of the rugby league masses. Fins up, starting to take off. And I tell you what, with that win, yeah, they're only endearing themselves more to Queenslanders. Broncos can count themselves very lucky that they had a huge win as well because, I mean, the storm surrounding the Dolphins has been epic. Like, people are well and truly getting on board now and it seems like the Dolphins, they are up and running. In my mind, they're building towards being a powerhouse club. There's no doubt about it. You can look at their side now and say, like, yeah, absolutely, in my mind, the side is not a premiership contender. But with the young core players they've got and the experienced heads that they have there to really set the standards of what the Dolphins are going to be about for years to come, it's really, really exciting. Very exciting. If I had a fin, it would be up. But I don't. And I also remember Dolphins trying to pinch Reese Walsh as a Warriors fan. So I'm still kind of like, fuck the Dolphins, because they're going to be very cheeky and try and steal players. Uh, but what a huge win. What a remarkable win. The GOAT, Mark Nichols, crossing for a try. Jermaine Azarko scoring a double. Hamaso Tabuai Fido, his best performance as a fullback, no doubt. And when he was coming through the grades, a lot of the talk was that this was the Cowboys guy to wear the number one long term. Uh, things kind of changed with Scott Drinkwater winning the position. Uh, but Hamaso Tabuai Fido, he is a real star of the future. I will be curious to see next year, do they go the hammer at fullback? Or is Herbie Farnworth going to line up in the number one? But I tell you what, Tabuai Fido did himself no harm of holding on to that fullback jersey. My player of this game, or player of the match, uh, I thought there were two that really stood out for me. Felice Kafusi. I mean, anyone who watched that game knows just how devastating Kafusi was. Defensively, he really set the standard for what the Dolphins would go on to do. Felice Kafusi was one of them. Uh, Jeremy Marshall King, the other. I thought he was just terrific. Tremendous. Other words, sensational. I'm trying to think of ones I haven't already said. Um, but Jeremy Marshall King, that was an incredible performance. Uh, we saw him come over from the dogs this year. He is a Kiwi international. And all of a sudden, there's a bit to like about this Dolphins roster. Now, I'm not getting too carried away. As for their prospects, I still think they're most likely going to be a bottom five side. But hey... They've played one game, they've won one game. You couldn't ask for a better start, especially uh, just all the kind of the circus that has followed. I've seen people rushing down to the Dolphins store to grab themselves a new jersey. Like now, now it seems like shit's getting real because when the Dolphins were coming into the competition, all the talk, they don't have a marquee man. Their signings are pretty rubbish. They haven't really moved the needle in any regard. Well, how quickly people have changed their tune. Now everyone loves the Dolphins. Not everyone. I'm sure there are t people uh, who just dislike them a lot. But Dolphins, they're really starting to take off. So it's exciting. It's a huge moment. I loved watching it. And look, they've been getting the highest viewership um, across the NRL. And it's been the same with me. I'm watching every Dolphins game, every Trials. I'm really curious. And there's something very fun about a new team. I don't know what it is. I guess it's like I had 16 toys and then all of a sudden there's this new 17th toy to play with. How fun. I've played with the other 16 before. Time to play with the 17th. Sound a bit weird, but yeah, I guess you know what I mean. They're like a new toy. It's fun. Cool jersey. I like the jersey. And yeah, it's the first expansion side we've seen since the Titans in 2007. So we were well and truly due and yeah, I love it. Welcome, Dolphins. Welcome to the competition. And as a Warriors fan, I'm excited to match up against you guys. Uh, but firstly, for the Dolphins, they will be meeting the Canberra Raiders at KO Sports Stadium in a sellout. That's what I'm talking about. People really starting to get on board now uh, in a sellout game. So big, big times ahead for the Dolphins. For the Roosters, uh, 
An injury to Matt Lodge. I think someone else got injured as well, but my memory is fucking shite. Drew Hutchison uh, came off the bench and started in the centres. Now, look. Trent Robinson. I reckon he might know just a smidgen more than I do when it comes to rugby league coaching, but I don't like it. I, Drew Hutchison is not a centre for mine. Um, Corey Allen carried on the bench. I don't know whether they just wanted like a back on the bench. I don't know, but I didn't like it. I don't like Drew Hutchison in the centres. This guy was an Australian schoolboy's half, so like if you want to play him in the halves, go for it. I think he'd be better as a back rower than a centre. But like I said, Trent Robinson, he knows a fuck ton more than I do. So, yeah, I don't want to be too critical of that. But that caught my eye. I was like, they did that last year, and now they've gone back to it. Like, Drew Hutchison in the centres, it's a no from me. It's a no from me. I will say that. Especially when they've got plenty of capable capable guys who could step in and fill that role. Uh, but of course, Joey Manu due back. So that's not something they're going to be rolling with week in, week out. Uh, but Drew Hutchison, I just I don't like him in the centres. Uh, as far as the Roosters' overall performance, very poor. Very poor. I just thought they came out, they looked like they thought it was going to be a pretty easy day at the office. And then once they were met by the Dolphins and their enthusiasm in defence, I still think the Roosters were like, okay, these guys have come to play, but like, they're the Dolphins, we're the Roosters. We have 17 marquee players, fucking basically. And Dolphins don't have one. Uh, but yeah, they were basically just outwilled. They weren't outmuscled. Like, the Roosters, one of the best packs in the competition. I just think this came down to who wanted it more. Roosters know that it is a long-ass season. 27 games, or 27 weeks. So not 27 games, uh, but you'd say they're going to come into the finals and play more games. So they'll probably get 27-plus games. So it's a long season. Roosters know that. They're not known for starting the season super strong, uh, but very disappointing, very disappointing to go down against the Dolphins, and they got to be careful, because they had a pretty shit start last year, and then they were the informed side in the competition toward the end of last year, but they just left themselves with too much work to do, and they finished 6th or 7th, and then by the time it was finals, they, you know, they'd used all their energy and just used up all the gas in the tank just to get into finals, just to scrape into the eight. That's not the Roosters we know, so I'm expecting a much better version of them up against the Warriors this weekend, which is annoying. <laughs> I would have preferred this complacent version, but hey, maybe. We'll wait and see. But yeah, Roosters, in my mind, still definitely one of the premiership threats, but that was the moment of the round. Dolphins getting it done over the Roosters, how fun. How bloody fun. I'm excited to preview the Dolphins game and the Roosters games uh, on the podcast that's going to drop tomorrow. But now let's get into the final game of the round and then I will finish off with my performance highlights for round one. Now, of course, as far as the bye, Dragons had the bye. Even their fans are probably like, yeah, I can wait another week to see this all, to see this all go down. So Dragons, are they going to be a shit show? That's what I'd be putting my money on. Um, but they could surprise us. And hopefully for Dragons fans, they can surprise us. I prefer to be optimistic. And I would be optimistic that the Dragons can surprise us. Now, I don't think they're going to be wooden spooners. But I absolutely have them as one of my bottom sides. And the vibe. The vibe around the club. Like only three guys going to the awards night last year. They're punching on at like 6am. Which, that was more whatever. I think that was blown way out of proportion. But it's not exactly filling me with confidence that the Dragons are going to surprise us. So they've got the bye this weekend. Uh, but stay tuned tomorrow. I'll be previewing their first game of the season. But now, let's get to the last game of the round. Titans beating the Tigers. Now, Titans, they are a team that I think will surprise a few people this year. Kieran Foran, such a good signing although he did get injured in this game. So, yeah, as quickly as he's entered, he has broken down. Hopefully we see Karen Foran back soon, because I think Foran and Verils, the two new signings, I think they are absolutely paramount to Titans' chances of success this year. They were the two positions 
where the Gold Coast were really lacking last year in their horror season. And yeah, they look so much stronger, especially on that left side with Kieran Foran. Philip Sammy, the beneficiary of those combinations, crossing for a double. And I'll be interested to see, do they go with Brimson into the halves for round two and Jaden Campbell to fullback, Chris Randall onto the bench? That's the way it seems likely to go. Um, but Brimson nailing the fullback role, that's seemingly his best position. So I wonder if they move him back to 5'8". Will the Gold Coast suffer? We'll have to wait and see, but they couldn't have asked for a better start. As for the Tigers, I tell you what, looking at the draw, I actually had the Tigers winning their first two games of the season. I was like, well, if they win the first two, then excitement builds, confidence grows. They've got Coruscant, they've got Papali'i, they've still got John Bateman to come in. I was very excited about the Tigers. I whacked some money on, I thought they were going to get the job done. I tell you what, it reminded me of the same old fucking Tigers that we've seen for the last decade. A little bit better than last year's version, but they have signed some quality players. And for the guys that have come in and the side that they named, very strong side. I, I, thought, they were, I thought they were very average. Very, very average. Just resembled the same failure and the same failing outfit that we've seen over the last number of years. Now, I went into the season, I want to be positive about the Tigers. It's, I've had enough of talking about the shit show that has become the West Tigers. Last year I felt like they were going to bottom out. I still feel like that's the case. Uh, but for all the excitement that was starting to build around Wests, it's starting to dissipate. Just a, a poor performance. A really poor performance from a side that everyone believes is on the up. That was not an upwards trajectory. That was at best sideways. Just going sideways. So West Tigers... Look, it's only round one, so again, it's not panic stations, but in a new season, you want to get off to things on a, the right foot and have reason to get excited, and there was nothing exciting about that game, unfortunately. So if you're a Tigers fan, hold on hope. You've got some great players. Hopefully that loss gives them a bit of a kick up the ass to say, hey, just because you've got some better players now doesn't mean things are going to be easy for you. And hey, it could be the kick in the ass they need to really get going. But I tell you what, I did not like what I saw from the West Tigers. I was extremely disappointed with how they played. So I can only imagine how their fans feel. Titans getting it done in the final game of the first round over the Tigers. And now there's only one thing left to do. That is to go through my performance highlights from the first round. And then we'll wrap it up. And I'll tell you what I'll do. I'm Save this, post this, and I'm going to get right to work on my preview for round two. So as I've said, that's coming out tomorrow. Do be sure to check it out. Best way to do so is to either follow us on whatever podcast platform you are listening on. You'll be able to see as soon as new podcasts are uploaded. Or you can follow us on Instagram. We will always post when a new podcast is out. We'll post the performance highlights. Uh, plenty of other content, got UFC stuff going on, Survivor if that tickles your fancy, and a lot of rugby league content as well. So plenty to get stuck into. Those are the best ways to know as soon as the preview for round two is out. But now let's finish up with the performance highlights from round one. We're making some pretty good time here. I mean, only 43 minutes more than my average bedroom performance. So nice and short so far. Let's finish strong with the performance highlights. And you'll be able to find those over on our Instagram as well. Uh, at not just a sports report. Every weekend, going to do performance highlights for the NRL. And been doing them for the UFC for a while as well, if that's what you are into. So now let's have a squiz, shall we? At the performance highlights, I'll make this uh, as quick as possible. My player of the round, Daily Cherry Evans. Hat-trick. I mean, what do you want from your halfback? You want him to organize, lead the side around the park, and the result ultimately falls on the shoulders of the number seven. Couldn't have asked for much more from Chez. Nearly forgot his name. I didn't forget his name. Nearly just came out with some fucking non-existent player. Uh, but Daily Cherry Evans, he was my player of the round. 
not just the hat trick, but just his overall composure and control of the game. It's got Manly Seagulls off to a very hot start. So DCE, player of the round, team of the round. Now this is a first, Didn't wasn't doing this last year, uh, but here is my best 13 from the weekend. At fullback, Scott Drinkwater. There are a few other guys, could have potentially been fullback of the weekend, uh, but two tries for Scott Drinkwater. Ended up pretty, uh, proving pretty crucial at the end there, with the cows only getting it done by one point. So Scott Drinkwater, he is at fullback. My wingers in the team of the week, uh, Jermaine Azarko and Ruben Garrick. Garrick had a fire game out on the wing for the Seagulls. And Jermaine Azarko scoring a double against the Roosters to help get the uh, Dolphins off to a hot start. In the centres, two players who scored doubles on the weekend, Campbell Graham and Herbie Farnworth. Two international stars now, heading into 2023, and they picked up where they left off at the end of last season. In the halves, in number 6, 5'8", Ezra Mam. I spoke about how quality his defence was against the Panthers. And look, in my team of the round, and also some of my other performance highlights, um, I, I like to go on strength of opposition. So yeah, there were some 5'8s who had some cracking games on the weekend, uh, but nobody impressed me more than Ezra Mam, most notably his defence. Uh, in the seven, player of the round, Daily Cherry Evans. Up front, I had Ruben Cotter and Payne Haas. Junior Paolo, very unlucky to miss out. I thought Christian Welch had a great round as well, uh, but Ruben Cotter, just the engine that keeps on going. And same with Payne Haas. Both of them really just laying that physical tone for the game to help get their sides the win. Um, Payne Haas, I found really impressive as well, again, given the strength of opposition. My dummy half of the round, I've gone with Jeremy Marshall King, Harry Grant a little bit unlucky to miss out, as was Lachlan, uh, Lachlan Ilias, who was unlucky to miss out on the halves, uh, but Cherry Evans, player of the round. Uh, but I've gone Jeremy Marshall King, I just thought his control at dummy half was excellent, and again, strength of opposition, what he was able to do against a pretty much full-strength Roosters outfit. Very impressive and a great start for JMK. In the back row, I had David Fafita, although could make an argument, definitely, uh, that Connolly Lemuelo or Kenny Bromwich, they had starring games. Uh, but I've gone David Fafita. I, I just thought he's starting to look back to his best for the Gold Coast. He was a major player for them on the weekend, and he's just announced as well, going to be sticking around for a further two years. So I've gone David Fafita and my other back rower for the team of the round, Felice Kafusi. I think we all know why. A complete enforcer up against the Roosters. He was the man of the match. Uh, got a little medal as well, considering uh, I believe it was the Arthur Beetson Cup or something to that effect, given that Arthur Beetson, I mean, this guy, such a huge part of the Roosters' history. And also the Dolphins, Redcliffe Dolphins, most notably, so Felice Kafusi, he was an absolute standout of the round. Uh, and in the number 13 jersey, another guy unlucky to miss out was Jermaine Hopgood. Uh, but again, strength of opposition. I've gone Patrick Carrigan. Now, Storm, a very strong opposition for Hopgood. But uh, just the way it went down against the Panthers, everything about the Broncos and how they finished the end of last year, all the talk around Kevin Walters, I, I was just so hugely impressed with Patrick Carrigan. I think he got through something like 50 tackles and just did not stop working. Plenty of runs with the ball. And Patrick Carrigan, he's my lock forward of the round. So team of round one, Drinkwater, Jermaine Azarko, Campbell Graham, Herbie Farnworth, Ruben Garrick, Ezra Mam, Daly Cherry Evans. That's my back line. And my forwards of the round, Ruben Cotter, Jeremy Marshall King, Payne Haas, David Fafita, Felice Kalfusi, and Patrick Carrigan. Huge start to the competition for them, and we'll have to see how they go in round two. Now, back to the performance highlights. Biggest talking point coming out of the weekend? Dolphins win, most definitely. Now, before that, I had R. Penrith in danger? Question mark. That definitely a bit of a talking point, uh, but I, I don't think they're in danger. I think it's just going to take some time uh, for them to work out these new combinations. So biggest talking point from the round, most definitely the Dolphins' historic first game and first win at Suncorp Stadium. Now, rising star of the round, 
If you listened to the podcast last year, you will remember the rising star. Uh, every weekend, we nominate one young player, either either in their debuting season or like pretty much debuting, if they've only played a handful of games heading into this year. Now, to give you some context, last year's rising star of 2022, as voted on by our followers on Instagram, Jeremiah Nanai. So the Rising Star Award, it's it's just to highlight the great young player, pretty much like the Rookie of the Year Award. Uh, last year, we had Joseph Swali'i. He was one of the nominations. I'm trying to rack my brain. I believe Taylan May and Isaac Tongo were the other guys, and Salwan Cobo, unlucky to miss out from that top four. But last year, we had a really strong top four that you could vote on. And this year, it's going to be the same. At the end of the season, we're going to have all fucking out. We'll have 27 because there's 27 rounds. So 27 young players will be nominated. That will be broken down into a final four from the four who've been most impressive over the entirety of the season. And then you'll be able to vote. Who will join Jeremiah Nanai in the Not Just a Sports Report Rising Star ranks? Well, we have our first nomination for round one. Isaiah Katoa from the Dolphins. On debut, replacing Anthony Milford, who just didn't seem like he was up to scratch. They get the win. Yes, we know this kid has a very bright future. I don't think anybody is disputing that. But for him to come out in round one, win that jersey, win the start, and then win the game. Now, not by himself, but there weren't a ton of young players who really, really stood out this weekend. Uh, Isaiah Katoa did, though. And if you've followed the podcast before, you will be aware as well of the One to Watch series, which is posted over on our Instagram if you want to go have a look. I named one player from every club uh, that was One to Watch, one to keep an eye on, and Isaiah Katoa, he was my One to Watch from the Dolphins, living up to that tag early. First Rising Star nomination of 2023 and the first player eligible for the votes at the end of the year, Isaiah Katoa. And he is the definition of a rising star. Then we move on to Tough Stuff. Also ran this last year. And fans were able to vote on our Instagram. Tough Stuff. This is essentially to recognize the less heralded actions. The real dirty work in the middle. The shitty stuff that no one wants to do. Making the tough tackles. Making the hard carries. These are all things that go into the Tough Stuff nomination. Now last year you also got to vote on this. Isaiah Papali'i was the Not Just a Sports Report Tough Stuff winner. And our first nomination for 2023, a man who was no stranger to being nominated for the Tough Stuff Award, Patrick Carrigan. He was actually one of the four names you could vote on at the end of last season. Just missed out. Back in the frame again. Now, I know I looked at the VB Hard-Earned Index, which is also a great way to be able to tell who's getting through the Tough Stuff. Jermaine Hopgood, he topped the tally. So again, super unlucky to miss out on the Tough Stuff nomination. It was just what Carrigan did and against who he did it against, like the Panthers. And just thinking of how the Penrith side have been over the last three or so years, dominant. So for Carrigan to do what he did, that was Tough Stuff if ever I've fucking seen it. So Tough Stuff nomination, Patrick Carrigan, Cause for concern. We also did this last year. You didn't get to vote on this at the end of the year. This is just week to week. Who's the cause for concern? Now, if this was an award handed out, uh, I don't think any team got more of a mention in the cause for concerns uh, than the West Tigers. So they're kind of like veterans of the cause for concern game. And after that performance on the weekend, I am a little bit concerned about them. Uh, But no sides, given that it's only round one, No major causes for concern. The Dragons also concerned me, but they didn't play. Uh, So this one, I'm not super concerned, but if I had to pick one, I'd pick the Roosters. A little bit concerned about that start. Um, And yeah, they just look flat. They did not look like the dominant Roosters we've come to know. Am I genuinely concerned? Not really. I I still think they're definitely going to be there at the pointy end of the season. But... We've seen it once before, only once in Trent Robinson's decorated career, but we have seen the Roosters come out with some young players and have a shocking season. So it's not the start they wanted, 
They'll be looking to right the ship against the Warriors in round two. But if they lose that, the concern starts to grow. So not overly concerned about the Roosters, but that loss definitely gives some cause for concern, uh, given that, yeah, I think they just had the game won in their heads before they even took the field. Now, moment of the round, Dolphins win. That's hands down moment of the round. I thought the Broncos win uh, was really highlight as well. But yeah, I mean, as far as the moment of the round, Dolphins win. That's what everyone's been talking about. That's what catch has captured everyone's attention. And it's really given a great shakeup to start the season. We see the Panthers lose in round one. We see the Roosters lose. We see the Dolphins win. We see some lower sides from last year, like the Titans and the Warriors get a win. And I think just across the board, I am so excited because the gap is starting to close between the very best sides and the bottom sides. All the lower sides over the last few years, they seem like they're on the up. You can't tell me, despite a loss in round one, that the Bulldogs are not on an upward trajectory. The Warriors starting to right the ship. The Titans starting to look decent again. Tigers, uh, uh. they're supposed to be on the up. That's not what I saw in round one. But across the board, how close all of these games were, I'm very excited for this competition. I think it's going to be the closest competition that we have for a long, long time. And there's an extra team as well. So it has never been more difficult to qualify for that top eight. And I'm excited to see which sides can do so. Moment of the round, Dolphins win. Uh, now, knocking on the door, this is essentially... Uh, just like the reserve grade player of the weekend. This is someone who played in the resis that is eligible to come into the NRL um, that's knocking on the door. That's why it's called that, knocking on the door of first grade. And I've gone someone from the West Tigers, that being Kitioni Kartoga. Now, he scored a hat-trick on the weekend in the Magpies' 44-18 win uh, over the Roosters in the New South Wales Cup. And the back rower was just electric. So I thought with the Tigers and how they played over the weekend in first grade, very poorly, um, they definitely, they got some competition for spots. Now, the back row is pretty hotly contested. You've still got John Bateman to come back. You've got Sean Bloor. We saw Asu Kepoa uh, fill in in the back row as well. But yeah, I really think Kitioni, he could be a genuine chance of getting a spot on the bench. I'm pretty sure he made his debut at the end of last year when Tigers were bringing through all these young guys. So a very encouraging start, uh, scoring a hat-trick up against a game Roosters reserve grade side. So knocking on the door, I've gone with Kitioni Kautoga, and that's the performance highlights. That's the bloody podcast, basically. Uh, so we've got two minutes to the hour mark, so feels like the right time to wrap it up. As I've said many times through this podcast, Tomorrow, the round two preview, going to be going through every game and having a look at each side's chances will be interesting as well. First look that we're going to get at the Dragons and the latter leaders, the Manly Seagulls, with the bye. So there's going to be plenty to talk about uh, through the round two preview. Give that a plug here as I have through the podcast. Make sure to tune in. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Not Just the Sports Report. Uh, what else have we got going on this week? Uh, UFC predictions. Going to be posting the predictions for this weekend's fight night. A uh, lot of Survivor content. Going to be catching up on the Australian Survivor. I'm going to be starting the American Survivor Season 44. Got some other things in the works as well that are going to go up on our Instagram. But this has been the NRL Weekend Wrap. I've wrapped the weekend. I've given all my thoughts. Now there's nothing else to do uh, but turn our attention to round two this weekend how fucking good is it to have the footy back tell you what there was a footy shaped hole in my life for a couple of months there and it's filled it's been filled uh, my laptop buzzing making all kind of kinds of notifications uh, that one being from matt's hot shop not sponsored there at all uh just telling me there's some new hot sauces in stock so i might have to have a geese at that Thank you for listening. That is all for today. Weekend wrap done. We now move on to the round two preview. Thank you so much for listening. Really appreciate your support. Really appreciate these notifications going off hot and fast uh, during my podcast. Let's wrap it up. Thank you for listening and have a bloody ripper of a week.